follow. We've been literally following Jesus as he's journeyed uh, in the gospel from the northern parts of Israel down into Jerusalem. And now he's made his way there. And so today's sermon comes from Mark chapter 12. And it will also include some thoughts from the writings of John Wesley, who is the founder of our tradition. So my friends, uh, if we have completed everything we're supposed to in the worship service thus far, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or give your attention to the screen to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with each other. The them would be Jesus and various groups of religious and Roman leaders who were questioning him. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like it. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any questions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Order my thoughts and my words in our hearing, captivated all by your Holy Spirit. For if you do not work, there is nothing that will be done in this moment that will be worth anything. So we give it to you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are almost there. Now, there are two ways you could really think about a statement like that. You're almost there. The first way you could think of it is, is like, imagine you're on a long road trip and you've got kids in the back seat. And they inevitably, with all love and respect, ask you the age-old cliche question, are we there yet? And of course, we're all mature and calm and peaceful, so uh, you might say, well, we're not there yet. We're almost there We are on our way, and we'll get there soon. That's one way to think about a statement like that. You're almost there. We're on our way and not there yet. Now, the other, another way to think about that statement is like this. It's like when you're cooking Thanksgiving dinner, and you've got everything done, and the turkey comes out of the oven, and my, 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 it's golden brown and smells delicious. Everybody is sitting at the table. They're respectfully and thankfully drooling with their forks and knives in hand. And so you, with all of the pride and joy you can muster, set it on the table and go to carve, remembering 
I think I was supposed to thaw the turkey for more than an hour. And you cut into it, and lo and behold, it is beautifully cooked on the outside and wonderfully raw on the inside. Now, you cannot just go, well, everybody, it was almost there. Bon appetit. Sometimes almost there means that you've missed the mark. You tried, but you were almost there. So either way, it's like that. It's like you are almost there, but you're on your way, and you'll get there soon. Or you tried, but mm, I'm so sorry you missed the mark. You were only almost there. Either way, the truth of the matter is, if either one of those things is true, you are not there yet. So close, yet so far. Have you ever considered that people can be almost there in their faith? That it is entirely possible for somebody to even be in church their whole life and yet find themselves only almost there in their faith. Well, in Mark chapter 12, we've got a guy who you think would just be right on the money. He's a scribe. Big deal, right? He's a scribe. I'm a this, I'm a that. But it is a big deal to be a scribe in the time uh, that he was because he could read and write, which very few people could do in first century Middle East around the world. And so one of his major roles was that he, uh, any scribe, was to read and make new copies of the scriptures. This was before the copy machine. And so, because a scribe could read and write, they'd spend a majority of their time hand-copying new copies of the scriptures to give to people. And can you imagine how much they learned about them, copying them down by hand over and over, year after year? The scribes became experts in the scriptures. And because of this and their gifts, they rose to positions of high prominence in the community and religious life. And at this time, and where this story takes place, many scribes had even taken over the teaching roles of priests in local synagogues. This guy is a big deal. But this guy in particular is a standout kind of scribe because not only are those things true about him, but he, he's actually impressed with Jesus. You might have picked up along the way, if you've read through the Gospels, that groups of religious leaders were kind of hostile to Jesus. In general, the scribes were that way too, but not this guy. He hears him having a conversation, talking about the Bible, and he says, wow, I like how this guy thinks. And he's impressed. He approaches Jesus with compliments. He even appreciates the way that Jesus interprets Scripture, which says a lot from a guy who's given his whole life to interpreting the Scripture. He comes and asks Jesus, wow, this guy's got some good answers. Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And when Jesus tells him what he's got on his mind, he is in full agreement. So you figure this guy, he's got it together. Now, at first glance, Jesus is pretty impressed by this whole thing. He says to him, he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Wow, he's not far. 
man, that sounds good. I like it when we're on a road trip and I ask how far away we are and we say we're not far. That's better than very far, right? Wow, this guy is not far from the kingdom of God. He is almost there. But wait. He's almost there. Which, which is it? Is he, is he almost there like he's on his way, just not there yet, almost there? Or is he, mm-mm, honey child, you didn't make it almost there. Either way, this scribe is not there yet. He's only almost there. So you've got this guy, you've got this guy who by most measures should be aiming a direct hit on the kingdom of God. He's worshipped his whole life. He knows, he follows the law. Everything the Bible has said, this man has done. He knows the scriptures in and out and backwards and forwards in multiple languages. And he's a well-respected religious leader. He should be there. Yet, in this moment, he's in danger of missing the mark altogether. He's only almost there. It turns out that knowing the Bible and trying to do things to please God, that by itself doesn't take you all the way. And when it comes to our faith, almost there misses the mark. Close, but no cigar. The truth is that there are many Christians who are only almost there. Now, if you're like me, you hear that and you ask yourself, am I an almost there Christian? How in the world would I even know? So let's take a moment to see what it means to be an almost there Christian. What does it look like to be an almost there Christian so we can make these thoughts for ourselves. Well, it goes like this. An almost there Christian, one who's not quite there yet, they have common decency. They're not going to do something wrong. They don't cheat. They don't lie. They don't steal. They try to look after people. They're decent folks. They're just as good as any other normal good person. They've got common decency. The almost there Christian not only has common decency, because you know any person could really have common decency, the almost there Christian has what Paul calls the form of godliness, or you could call it the outside exterior of a Christian. You, you, You look at them and say, there it is, the outside of a Christian. The almost there Christian is going to work hard to do the right thing. They're going to uh, understand the Bible And they're going to understand it well and they're going to do their best to follow it and they're going to try to make sure that people around them follow it and even uh, try to help people who are avoiding it to do better. The almost there Christian, maybe they don't even take the Lord's name in vain. They honor the church. They avoid sin. They seek to do good and not just in the easy things. The almost there Christian will put all of their effort into Christian service. In fact, most every time that there's a call put out to do something for the common good, the almost there Christian feels a desire to be there. Even going as far as to encourage other people in their faith, even as far as sharing the gospel with other people. 
and you'll find the almost there Christian in church just about every chance they can get. And usually you'll have found them there uh, over a period, long period of time. They take worship seriously. They do. And they make sure that they have daily prayer and devotion and that they spend time in prayer with their families if they've got them. The almost there Christian is sure to defend Jesus in the public sphere and make sure uh, to disapprove when others don't. The almost there Christian has the form of godliness, the outside of a Christian. And before you say the almost Christian is just acting the part, they are most certainly not just acting the part. They are very sincere about their practice of faith. In fact, all that they do comes from a very real conviction that says, I want to please God. And it motivates just about all of their life. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, all that stuff sounds pretty good. Don't we want more people to do those kinds of things? How in the Are you sure that a person can live like that and still only be an almost there Christian? It is absolutely possible to go as far as all of these things and still only be almost there. We see it in Mark chapter 12. We see it throughout the witness of Scripture. We see it in the historical doctrinal documents of our very own United Methodist Church and Wesleyan heritage. So, for example, you might remember uh, John Wesley. I, I doubt any of you actually remember John Wesley. If you were alive when he was alive, I want to celebrate you right now. But the story of John Wesley, he was the founder of the Methodist movement. John Wesley was a, a priest in the Anglican tradition. He grew he was a son of a priest. He grew up in the church. He was educated in church leadership at the prestigious Oxford University, uh, be, had his own place and went out into mission and ministry, even came to Georgia from England. He was, he was what the kids in the 90s when I grew up called the jam. But he admits, they don't say that anymore. It's sad. But John Wesley admits that even, even with all those credentials and even with all of that, that he was only an almost there Christian. Listen to what he has to say. He says, I did go this far for, for many years with all of the things that we just talked about. Using diligence to avoid all evil and keep a clear conscience. Buying up every opportunity to do good to all men. Constantly and carefully practicing Christian habits both privately and in public. Striving after seriousness of behavior at all times and in all places. And with God as my record, doing all of this in all sincerity. With a real design to please God, a hearty desire to do his will, and to please him who called me and live and lay a hold of eternal life. He says, right after this, despite all of these things, he confesses, however, to only being almost there. He was only an almost there Christian. Close, but so far. So what does it look like to go the rest of the way? What does it look like to, to, to go from almost there to all the way? What, 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 what do we need to do? And interestingly, the, the answers to those questions are found in this story in Mark chapter 12 alone. 
and the conversation that Jesus has with the scribe. Ironically, Jesus is telling him the answer along the way. And it goes like this. A couple things we should do to go the rest of the way. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is an all-encompassing, real love for God. This is not, don't mistake me, this is not knowing that it is important to love God. The scribe knew that, and he was only almost there. It's not enough to agree that we should love God. This is about a love that captivates our entire being. It's about overflowing with the love of God in every part of you. It is about no longer being driven simply to please God or take get God's approval, but to love God and seek after him with all that we are, that we want to be near him and with him and him near to us at all times and all things. There is a difference between earning someone's approval and loving them with all of your heart. The love for God that is talked about in the scripture is a love that yearns for God that desires nothing but God and infuses all that we do. How do we go the rest of the way? For one, we love God with all that we are. Second, and Jesus says it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is a tricky little phrase here. It could very well sound like love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, but some of you don't love yourselves very much, so that makes it kind of hard. But think of it this way. Love your neighbor as if they were a part of your very own soul. Love them that much, as if they were a part of your very soul. Love them with a love that God loves. Love them like Christ loved you, that he gave himself up for you. And don't mistake the word neighbor, love your neighbor, as meaning simply the person next door to you that you go and get eggs from and piggyback on their Wi-Fi network because you know their password. When Jesus teaches about our neighbor, he talks about everyone. You've done it. No, I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm not calling anybody out here. When Jesus talks about our neighbor, essentially he tells us that that's everybody who shares the earth with us. That means that the people next door, down the street, one country over, people we love, our families, our friends, our acquaintances, people who are like us, people who are different than us the rich, the poor, and even, the hard one, our enemies. Love your neighbors with the love with which Christ loved you. And you can go the rest of the way. And finally, implied in all of this is faith. Not simply belief that, yes, I do believe that one day Jesus did live, and I do believe that God exists, Not simply that belief that those things happen, but listen to me, faith as a sure trust and confidence in God through Jesus Christ that your sins are forgiven through the redemptive act of Jesus Christ on the cross, that you are reconciled to God, that you are in union with God through Christ, and that you know the freedom from all of your brokenness and sin, to be able to follow after God with full joy. It's that trust. And faith is more than simply agreeing with a set of Christian propositions. It's more than, can you say, yes, I agree with the phrases of the Apostles' Creed, because in Scripture and in tradition we hear the phrase, even the devils know those things. 
And by faith, what we're talking about is a true and abiding trust in God through Jesus Christ that leads us to repentance, to purity, and to holiness. Faith. And that's what it means to hit the mark, to go the rest of the way, to follow Jesus into being fully Christian. Now, what about each of us? Yeah, I didn't want to ask that question either. I almost quit right now. What about each of us? Some will have to admit, you know, I haven't even gone as far as becoming an almost their Christian. I haven't even come to the common good and decency that we expect out of everybody. But maybe you have. If you have, have you gone the rest of the way? Have you gone the rest of the way? Does the love of God shine throughout your heart? Do you find your heart welling up with the cry, God is my everything? Do you desire nothing but God? Are you happy in God? Is God the source of all of your joy? Do you love all people, even your enemies, as Christ loved you and gave himself for you? Do you love them as your own soul? Do you believe that Jesus Christ has, in fact, yes, taken away your sins? Yes, I mean yours. Yes, even the ones that you are ashamed to even think about right now. Do you believe that Christ has even taken those away through the power of the cross and separated you from them as far as the east is from the west and made you as white as snow? Does the Holy Spirit witness to your heart that you are, are without a shadow of a doubt a child of God because you have faith in Him. Jesus told the scribe that He was not far from the kingdom of God. He was almost there. So does that mean that the scribe missed the mark? I don't really know, but not yet. In that moment, there is still hope And there's still an opportunity, just like there's a hope and an opportunity for us. Because Jesus' words were as much an invitation to him as they were a warning. He's still got time to wake up, to cry out to God and to give his heart completely to God and to go the rest of the way. And so do we. In fact, this is our time The Lord is in the midst of us even right now. And now is the time for us to call out to God saying, God, take me the rest of the way. I want to love you with all that I am and all that I do. And I want to love your people as you love me. Call out to God. Because listen, your life will have been a tragic waste if you get to the end and you say, wow, I was only almost there. Almost there misses the mark. Have you been an almost there Christian? Don't settle for it. Don't settle for it. Reach out for life in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is merciful, who redeems our sins, who is abounding in love and mercy. Call out to God with all that you are until Keep going until you can say with all conviction from the bottom of your heart, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. 
go the rest of the way. And so I pray that all of us can experience this, not just what it means to be an almost there Christian, but to know the joy of being fully all the way Christian, to know the peace, to know the freedom, to know the love that overflows, and to know without a doubt that as children of God that we are blessed beyond measure. And so I invite all of us today to consider where are we and know that there's an invitation for all of us to go the rest of the way. I invite you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word and for the witness of your son, Jesus Christ. And as we pray today, it can be a difficult kind of moment, but you've given us the courage by your Holy Spirit to take stock of ourselves. Speak to us, O God, not for our condemnation, but for our growth, to ask where we can go the rest of the way in our own lives. And you might join this prayer as if it was yours, Lord. There are places in my life where I'm only almost there. I know that you have saved my soul, but Lord, I know that there's so much more that you call from me. And I don't want to be almost there anymore. I want to go all the way. Lord, so please, whatever it takes, I just make this my prayer over and over. Give me all the grace that I need to go all the way. Help me to know your love through and through. Help me to love you through and through. And help me to love my neighbors, even and especially the ones I have difficulty loving, so that I may live the life of the all-the-way Christian. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we have our closing hymn today,